Welcome, lady and gentlemen, to another episode of Oh, hey there. I figured you would love to hear that better from George Kittle, the man himself. This is your co-host, Leo Luna, with the man himself, Javier Vega. How are you doing, Javi? I am great. Um, we are, at the time of this recording, Central Time, we're like, I don't know, maybe 18 hours away from the first practice, maybe a little bit less. Um, the offseason's finally over. It's It's been a long, slow, miserable offseason, but it's finally over. So I feel great. You know, yeah, so this is, quote the great Jimmy G. Feels great, baby. <laughs> and this is what feels great about it is because uh, we've been anticipating footballs for so long as 49er mm-hmm. fans to get that ugly taste of the 2020 season just out of our mouth, rip off that Band-Aid, start – you know, fresh leaf. Uh, you're turning your pillow to the cool side now, uh, rather than getting it too hot. Doesn't feel too good, and, and you get some better sleep at night. Hopefully, with this season that we have under wraps here, whether who gives a crap about who the quarterback is? Honestly, I just want to see winning football and this 49ers team back in the playoffs where they should belong. But we're going to kick off this episode on the defensive side of the ball since last week was on the offensive side of the ball. And I'm going to go ahead and pass it over to you, Javi. Now I told you guys yet that Fred Warner is one of my favorite players. The most deserving player on this team got paid last week, right? Fred Warner, consummate pro best linebacker in football leader. One of the smartest players on the team. Great number, 54. You know, he switched from that 48 to 54. Got that out of the way. Um, he does. He is the epitome of what this front office has been talking about since they got here, right? The 49er way. He does everything the 49er way. And I'm happy he got his contract. I'm happy he got the extension. I'm happy he's here for the next five years according to the contract, but six total because he's still got to play out this year. So for the next six years, we have Fred Warner. And he's another guy who... You know, we talked about Patrick Willis and Bowman and Joe Staley and, and, and Frank Gore, Vernon Davis, that core of the last era of 49ers. Like, we have the core now of so far, we hope, right, with Bosa, but Kittle and Warner are tied up for the next five years, and those guys should be 10-year 49ers. That's a big deal for the 49ers to make that 10-year wall, right? Like, Fred and Kittle should be the next two on that list. Well, I'm sorry. One of the two, or one of the three, because Jimmy Ward will probably be on that list first. And then Fred and Kittle should follow suit. But happy Fred got it done. The Niners did not play hardball with this one. It sounded like this one was pretty much straightforward. Hey, look, you're getting paid. No ifs, ands, or buts about it. We don't got to worry about this stuff being played out in the media. No Mike Silver report about a massacre on the on the uh, crunching of numbers. It was just, hey, here's Fred. Here's a blank check. Let's figure it out. Yeah, and like you said, it's huge. It's so you always want to be that organization to pay your guys when they're all pros. You don't want to get that San Diego Chargers rap. And I said San Diego Chargers because that's what they were back then. Uh, now they're now they're starting to pay some of their guys with that LA move. But when it was the San Diego Chargers, it was oh hell, they don't pay nobody. Uh, Vincent Jackson went on to the Buccaneers. Michael Turner went on to the the Falcons. Darren Sproles went on to the Eagles. Um, so you don't want that rap from your team. You want your team to take care of your guys, especially when you're an organization like the 49ers that had Eddie D do that for many years, many years and won a bunch of titles by doing that, taking care of his guys. And 
I'm glad you brought up that it's basically the next six years because it absolutely is. The deal doesn't kick in until next season, essentially. So this year on the cap, he's making $3.6 Next year, still pretty damn cheap at $8.1 million. And then in 2023, it kicks up to closer to that average rate of 18.5. And then literally after that, whatever happens, I think the 49ers are definitely going to be comfortable paying him through the contract. But whatever happens, they have a potential out after that 2023 season and then three more years after that. And that's where it gets a little pricey. But hey, the salary cap is going to be skyrocketed by then. Fred Warner is going to be outside of the top five of what middle linebackers are making at that moment. Um, so I, this guy deserves it. What he's done from day one uh, at number 48, which is kind of ugly. <laughs> so like you said, glad he switched it over. Glad he switched it over. And the biggest thing that that just sticks with me was with Fred Warner is week one, his rookie year at the Minnesota Vikings, Brian Baldinger doing his player breakdowns. And he had so many clips of Fred Warner that week one matchup. And what I remember him saying is Fred Warner, the 49ers have their Mike linebacker of the future. And that's exactly what it's been. That's exactly what it's been. A lot of people thought at that time, I thought it was huge at the time to say that because we all thought Ruben Foster was the Mike linebacker of the future, traded up Mm -hmm. for him to get him, snag him in the first round, um, played really, really well his rookie year. And then after that, in the offseason, the 49ers snag Fred Warner in the third round, and he looks better than him in training camp. So then he becomes the Mike linebacker, and you have have Ruben Foster now playing – playing your your will linebacker position and then we all know what happens there I'm, i i don't have to you know remember all of you guys uh where his life took a turn at that moment but fred warner it's just it created so much security for where this franchise is at the middle linebacker position and it, it's always been a franchise that's had decorated linebackers like you said patrick willis navarro bowman you could go with um Ken Norton, Ken Norton Jr. Julian and then, Peterson. That's a guy that gets missed all the time. All the time. Uh Ulbrich. He was he, he was one. he was pretty damn good for for what he was uh back in the day with the 49ers. So they've always had these these middle linebackers and now, you know, not to shame a guy or anything, but we don't we don't have to, you know, go through say maybe a Michael Wilhoyt for for 3 to 4 years. Great guy, but you yeah, want a Fred own. Warner in there. Yeah, you want a Fred Warner in there, not a, not a Michael Wilhoyt um, in there for, for three seasons in a row. Especially, th- nobody talks about this. We're in an era of football where these middle linebackers are huge. Look at some of the top defenses in the leagues. Look what the Tampa Bay Buccaneers just did. They have two dynamic middle linebackers. Look at the Buffalo Bills. They have a dynamic middle line- I actually wanted Tremaine Edmonds in the draft. I, I wanted him in the draft, but he's doing a fantastic job in Buffalo. The Saints have a really good defense. What do they have? They have DeMario's, DeMario Davis in there. Seahawks may not be a, a, a great defense, but they do get the job in certain occasions when you don't expect them to. Why does that happen? Because they have Bobby Wagner in there. So a, a lot of these great defenses around the league, they do have a tough middle linebacker a top 10 middle linebacker and I think that's what no one's really talking about 
it's contributing to defensive success now, adapting to this passing era of offense. If you have a guy who could stop the run, stop the pass in the middle of the freaking field, it's huge. <laughs> it is huge. That's why I thought it was a no-brainer to play Fred Warner because you could scheme a corner out of the defense. I think we saw that Richard Sherman's first year to where yeah. they won't even pass on Richard Sherman in 2018. Everything was on the opposite side of Richard Sherman, literally everything. And that's where you could scheme outside of a cornerback one. But LB1, to, to just like rip up your whole playbook and take out everything from the middle of the field, you can't do that. You can't do that. And I, and I think that's why this was a no-brainer for me paying Fred Warner. You know, I, I think the biggest thing, take, the, I think the biggest takeaway here is how pretty cut and dry this was. Like, there was just no, from what it sounds like, you know, from an outsider. No, no you know, Jamal Adams talk. Yeah, there's no Jamal Adams type situation. There's no George Kittle type situation. There's no Trent Williams. Hey, hey, uh, well, obviously he had one more year left, but, you know, you didn't have to worry about him hitting free agency. It seemed very cut and dry. Like, hey, look, Fred, we love you. We're going to pay you. And I think it goes back to just Kyle Shanahan here. Kyle Kyle loves Fred Warner. I don't know if anyone ever listens to Kyle speak about Fred Warner. Kyle, if Kyle could marry him, he probably would marry him or, you know, adopt him as a son or whatever. You know, there's a like a love affair here with with Kyle Shanahan and Fred Warner. And, you got you know, there's a, there's a level of respect here. And Kyle is not going to jeopardize his defense over a few million dollars. Right. You know, and I think that's the biggest thing. You know, we we heard. Uh, last offseason, George Kittle contract situation was up in the air. There was a lot of questions about it. We heard about the Austin Hooper thing. They were checking checking in on Evan Ingram. They were doing a whole bunch of other things around the Kittle contract, right? Then you go, come into this offseason, Trent Williams was nearly a chief, right? Because we're just there's yeah. some penny pinching here and there. You gotta you know you gotta maneuver some money around. With Fred, there was none of that. It's like look, blank check here. You're going to get the highest paid at your position, which is kind of what I expected him to do. Um, you know, just based on some of the numbers, you know, you're looking at the way he is. You know, he's got, I want to say it was, if you would have did the numbers. Yeah, current, Fred Warner on his current, you know, had he had they had a structure, right? The structure is built off of what a franchise tag would look like and a second tag would look like. So on his existing contract, $3.6 million for this year. Had the Niners had to tag him in 2022, $17.9 million. And if they had to tag him again in 2023, that's $21.5 million, totaling $43 million over three years, right? So he's got, I want to say at the, at the end of the day, he got $40.5 million in guaranteed dollars. So, you know, we are right on par with what his floor would have been anyways with those guaranteed dollars. And then, of course, you add in the funny money on the back end of the uh, contract, you figure it out by 2024. Hopefully the cap is well over 220, 230, and this is not an issue. And you said it by that by that time, Fred is probably, you know, looking at an either restructure on that deal or probably not in the top five of contracts for his position. So kudos to Parag, Kyle, John, getting this done with no issues. Fred is here for a long time. For those of you who are waiting to buy a jersey, that would probably be the jersey I would buy. Actually, I did buy it. So if you're going to go buy a jersey, get that one. Let's talk about someone else who, already got paid actually a couple years ago um d ford he's making his way back he's been at mm -hmm. the facility for months now months now fred warner actually spoke about him and saying d ford is back um so let's you know let's do something fun here 
because we don't know we can't predict the future on on someone's health if they're going to be available uh, and that's partially why the 49ers made the move that they did in the draft because they can't predict Jimmy Garoppolo's health well let's try to pick pick somebody's else over under on the amount of games that D Ford plays this year so we talked about it pre-show and I sat you know while we're you were going through our notes and stuff I was just thinking about it and I said seven pre-show and I, I think we get 10 games out of D Ford and what I mean oh, by yeah. 10 games it's like you know, he, maybe he gets 25, 30 20, of the snaps during those games. You know what I mean? I'd have to obviously do a bigger deep dive into this because how many third downs are there in a game? You know, second and longs. You kind of want him right. for those situations, right? You're not going to put him out there on the D, on the Nick Bosa, you know, uh, snap counts. You're not going to get seventy five to eighty percent of the snaps out of D Ford. You want to use him sparingly. You want to use him in a rotation with Ibukum with you know, uh, just Justin Hilliard. We'll get to the linebackers later. But I think if you can get 10 games out of D4, that's a, that's a massive win, right? And it's not about the sacks. It's not about the fumbles. It's about the pressures. He's going to he's going to make that right tackle or left tackle be a little bit more on edge. You know, we saw in 2019, the Niners would stack Bosa and Ford on one side, right? That's a scary sight. And, (laughs) you know, you put Kinlaw and Armstead on one side, you know, you kind of have this really weird offset looking um, defensive line. So if if D4 can give you 10 games and give you 15 to 25 percent of the snaps, that's a win. Right. Because I think from some of the information I had had during the 2020 season, a lot of us believed he was going to retire. Right. Like the back was bad, herniated disc in the neck and the back. There was a lot of discussion about it. You know, he hasn't, you know, there was a, there was a video floating around him working out, looked very, very thin. Um, so just real quick, if you, if you missed it, he was, uh, Fred Warner was on the um, KMBR. He said, D is great. Warner said, he looks great. He's back. I've seen him plenty and he's been working his tail off. I know the type of player that he is and the fact that he's back healthy is going to give us a huge advantage. So I'm really excited to see him back. I know his mind is right. His mentality is exactly what we need for the defense. So shout out to D Ford. I one, I hope he's healthy just for his own personal sake. And two, if he gives you anything, that is a massive W for this defense that is lacking in an edge pass rusher. I know there's a Bukum, I know there's Bosa, but we'll get to that stuff later in the show. But if D Ford gives you 10 games, 10 to 25% of the snap counts on defense, that's a win. I think that's a I think it's a massive win. I don't think Fred Warner gives that political answer and puts the pressure on D Ford. If he doesn't believe that he's that close, Um, he would just say, Hey, D Ford looks great. Um, I'm excited to have him back. No, he actually prolonged that answer and and got a little in detail with it. So that's, you know, positive with it. I'm going, I'm going to prices right. You. Okay. I'm going to say nine. I'm going to say nine games. Uh, because I have my eye on a specific date, and that's going to be November fifteenth. From you know, little whispers I hear. It's not who knows if it's true or not because I I haven't spoke with D four personally myself. So I, I always carry that with you know just with a little bit of water. So that that week fifth that week ten November fifteenth game. I think he comes back a little later into the season. Uh, he they're going to take it slow. I like what what purpose are you going to throw him out there for five snaps week one, 
or five snaps week three, five yeah. snaps week five. Like there really holds no purpose. Uh, so you want to bring him in slow. You ideally you would want him for a playoff run, not necessarily to get him for week one against the freaking Detroit Lions. You want him in there for a playoff run. So once you get there, that that week 10 matchup against the Rams divisional game, then you got week 11, 12. So after that point, there's nine games to be played. I'm going to say he makes it through those nine games. If they are holding him out until week 10, I'm going to trust the process with that. Just like, you know, there's been a ton of injuries, but they've also gotten guys like Jason Brett healthy. They also got guys like Richard Sherman after Achilles injury for the most part healthy. Uh, So there's been greater situations like Jimmy Garoppolo, his first year after an ACL played all the way through, even all the way through the playoffs and then faced injury after that. But his first year back, played the entire season. So I'm going to give them some credit and not just be too naive about it. Um, So I'm going to say that week 10 and the great thing that you brought up right now, it's Nick Bosa and D Ford on the same side of the field. The picture that I got in my mind was, was what would they say with the running backs thunder and lightning. Mm -hmm. That's what I think of when I see D Ford and, and Nick Bosa on the same side of the field. It's like Leo Luna and Javier Vega. That's all what it is. Exactly. Well, I put on, a couple of pounds due to over, some over 15. Uh, I more like IPA 15, IPA 19. <laughs> um, so uh, I, I, I'm not as lightning as I was before, but don't believe me. Like ain't, ain't no media member going to beat me in a 40. No. You, you heard that right here. Ain't no media Absolutely member being no. a 40. I went to CIF finals and track. I think I'll be fine with, with a little bit of beer weight. I just, don't have the same endurance that I once had. So as long as we're not racing a marathon or a 400 in a track meet, I'll be fine. Um, <laughs> but I'm going to have to price is right. You say nine games for D Ford. This other one, this other question here gets, gets a little interesting. Is there going to be a battle for cornerback two, or is there like already the plan to have a cornerback battle for the, that second spot on opposite of Jason Brett. Because a lot of uh, us just think Emmanuel Mosley got a two-year contract, albeit basically one-year guarantee contract. Yeah, We all assume that he's going to be the starter on the other side of Jason Brett. Do you think there's going to be any type of competition to where that may not happen week one? I think there's going to be a competition at cornerback, too. I think you have to have this competition, right? I think... Looking back at 2020, and primarily the back end of the season, we were going through this. Um, so shout out to you for you know getting these numbers. But week 10, Emmanuel Mosley versus Saints had 58 snaps, defensive coverage snaps. Week 12, because of week 11 by week, week 12 versus the Rams, 35 snaps. Week 13 and 14, zero snaps because of a hamstring injury. Week 15 versus Dallas, five defensive snaps. Uh, week 16, 8, and week 17, 0. Um, the Niners made a conscious effort to put Akello Witherspoon on the field week 15, 16, and 17. And Akello, by all accounts, played like a top-five corner for those three games. So I think there's a real shot at this team looking at Ambry Thomas as their future CB2 because he is so, re- he is so good in man coverage. I, I don't think... 
Emmanuel Mosley is as great in man coverage as people think. I think a lot of that had to do with the pass rush in 2019. When you're only having to cover for three seconds, you know, you, you kind of look a lot better. When that pass rush wasn't there, we saw Emmanuel Mosley give up a lot of yards, a lot of targets, a lot of receptions. It was just constantly attacking his side. Jason Verrett held his side down. And of course, you know, opportunities are going to be there for Emmanuel Mosley to, to make some plays, but he was getting beat. He was losing a lot of reps. And I think this is a, a opportunity. I think there's a, I think if the door is cracked, I think Ambry Thomas has a shot to be CB2 here. I, th- I really think that the 49ers are going to want to play a little bit more man coverage in 2020. I'm sorry, 2021, as opposed to all the zone concepts they ran in 2020. Um, playing more man towards the back end of the year helped them out versus Dallas, versus the Seahawks, and versus the Cardinals. You saw the defense played a little bit better. Now, the Niners did lose the Cowboys game, but that wasn't the defense's fault. You got Nick Mullins throwing the ball throwing the ball back to the other team inside the Niners' own 20, right? So, you, you, you know, you flip the field, of course they're going to score points. So it's just hard for a defense to, to, um, to, to defend that stuff. But I really think CB2 is, is a competition to watch in camp. Um, I think we'll see it as it, it'll start developing. We probably hear about snap counts. We'll see who's getting one run with the ones. I really yeah. think Ambry Thomas has a shot here to get run with the ones. And if you look back at 2019, with Michigan, they had a really good defense, and part of that had to do with Ambry Thomas playing corner and locking up his side. 2020, Michigan fell off. Ambry wasn't playing for COVID reasons. I think he opted out, if, if I'm correct there. So, cornerback two is up for grabs, in my opinion, and I still think the Niners need to grab another corner somewhere. I would have loved to have Steven Nelson, but I just think they're a little light there. Um, but Ambry Thomas and Emmanuel Mosley should be battling it out for CB2. Well, you know, if they ever need to get a corner, it, if he doesn't make the 53, Dante Johnson. <laughs> I mean, Dante he's going to be here until the sun explodes. So, yeah. But I think there has to be a cornerback competition for cornerback, too. When you look at last offseason, Manuel mostly essentially saved that playoff run, or else it could have got pretty ugly because Akilla Witherspoon had zero confidence. And who else would they have thrown in there? hopefully not a Brian Allen. So when looking at what happened then during that playoff run and Emmanuel Mosley essentially saving that defense to not give up the yards that Akella Witherspoon was giving up or the touchdowns that Akella Witherspoon was giving up. And even after all of that, they still had an open competition for mm-hmm. it in training camp. Not only with uh, Akello being involved with that, with also Jason Verrett being involved with that. So you had a three-man competition at cornerback too. After Emmanuel Mosley, in my mind, thought he clearly won the you know position after that 2019 season. Because why is Akello in this? Uh, Emmanuel is obviously better, and Jason Verrett. We didn't know if he was going to even be able to play on the field then because of. The, past circumstances so they still had a cornerback competition i don't think that you know they're gonna go into camp saying okay e-man here's your (laughs) job no competition this year no of course of course you're gonna have a quarterback competition you're gonna have ambry thomas in there um i wouldn't be surprised if they have somebody else in there like a maybe a a diamador lenore try to compete for it even though i think he'll be better suited as the nickel corner role um, but I think they're going to try to get as much competition out of that role and just, 
you know, survival of the fittest, essentially, that's going to last through it. And I, I do, I really do like Ambry Thomas. Um, if we do make a prediction on this, it's kind of a way too early prediction because mm-hmm. uh, we're, we haven't seen any camp footage. We're not seeing any preseason. Uh, so it's kind of just a way too early prediction. If I had to go off that now, I would say, I would say E-Man, just because I'm, I think I'm higher on him than most. He has the experience. This is basically his fourth off season with the team, but his third season uh, in terms of playing because his first year with the 49ers, he received zero defensive snaps uh, that yeah. first year. So um, he was just a practice guy, but I, I'm just going with E-Man. I, I'm going to, I'm going to trust the process with, with Emmanuel Mosley say, say he, he wins the job, but if he doesn't, I'm happy. <laughs> I'm happy. Like not necessarily happy that he lost it, but I'm, I'm excited for Ambry Thomas. If Emmanuel Mosley doesn't win that job. Kyle's going to do what's best for the team, right? He's just going to always go with the best player available um, in these competitions. Now, would I have preferred the Niners kept Akella Witherspoon? Absolutely. I'll die on this hill. I think Akella Witherspoon is a guy who just needed more reps. I think he, as long as he would have stayed healthy, he would have been a corner that could have been a guy who could have been here a long time. Obviously, health did not, you know, go in his favor. And, you know, now he's in Seattle. And, of course, Seattle grabbed him. And we all know what they did with DJ Reed. So we can probably expect that Keller Wilson to play pretty well up there. I agree with you. I think E-Man wins it out of camp. But I also think that I think E-Man might be on a short leash. You know, I think E-Man's a better zone corner than he is a man corner. And if the Niners are going to run more man, I think Ambry Thomas, while while the season is going on, you know, you got weekly practices and everything else they're doing. You know, there might be a week, hey, before you know, week six or seven, because the bye week is week six, right? So week seven, they got to play Indy. Maybe week seven, Indy, hey, Ambry Thomas is up as your starting left corner, right? Because he earned it through the bye week. He earned it through practice. And maybe Manny Mosley is not where he needs to be. The Niners could be winning games, but and they're not getting what they want out of E-Man there. So it could be one of those things where it's one of like a mid-season switch for Ambry Thomas. But I think CB2 is up for grabs. I think camp battle is going to be intense. I think I think E-Man, I think it's E-Man's job to lose. It's not his right, you know, it's not like a set in stone, hey, you're you're CB2 right now. He's got to mm-hmm. show up. He's got to play well. You know, you said it. The Niners the Niners brought him back and they had a killer with a spoon and they battled it out even after 2019 how it ended. You know, but in 2019, we saw some really, really good football from Akello. People forget he locked up Devontae Adams in that in that Sunday night football game. He did his job against Evans and Godwin in week one. He did his job against John Ross and all those guys in Cincinnati before he gets hurt. Several other games where he had really outstanding football. But, you know, it is it is what it is with Akello. So I, I, I think this this battle is going to be. The, one of them, to, one of them to really, really watch. So, Amber and Eman, that's going to be that's interesting to me. That's going to be, I think, that's the most intriguing um, camp battle so far. It has to be intriguing, and in you know, and in passing league, when you have Matthew Stafford, Russell Wilson, Kyler Murray in your own division, you want that quarterback two spot to be locked up. And just to give a, a simili- familiar size on these guys, it's. Ambry Thomas, six foot one ninety nine. Manuel Mosley, five eleven one eighty four. So Ambry does have 
pretty good size over over Emmanuel Mosley it, and it seems to be a little more twitchy than Emmanuel Mosley is. Um, Ambry Thomas is someone who played in that 2020 season. If there's no COVID out there, probably a first round pick. If he's not a first round pick, he's a top 40 pick. Uh, he's top 45 top 40 pick. pick. Yeah. So compared to Emmanuel Mosley, who was an undrafted free agent. So no no shame on Emmanuel Mosley he's done a great job and I think he is a starter in this league but Ambry Thomas is just he has more tools and if you put these guys in a one-on-one competition usually usually not in every case but usually it's the guy with more tools that wins that battle cream always rises the cream of the crop always rises and the talent's always going to come to the top so you know it's going to be interesting I think like I said I, I think this is a situation where E-Man wins it out of camp, and then, you know, by week seven, we look up, we look up, and Ambry Thomas has supplanted him based on practices and things like that. So, you know, it's a good, it's a good problem to have because you don't want to go in. I know the Niners are thin at corner as is, but if you have three serviceable corners, you're in a good, you're in a good spot. And if they're going to play a lot more man coverage, you want guys who are going to be physical at the line of scrimmage. The GM guys, I think Ambry can do that. Emmanuel can do that as well, but he gets a little bit lost in man coverage every so often. So, and I'm not worried about Jason Verrett. The only thing I worry about Jason Verrett is if you know injuries on him. I think he's one of the better corners in the league. So, but CB2 for sure. That's one. That's a big one to watch uh, for camp. And if you look up on on your TV in the preseason and all that, or camp videos, and you see number twenty out there, that's not Jimmy Ward. That's Ambry uh-huh. Thomas. Nice. <laughs> so Ambry, yeah. Can I say I really don't like these single digits? I don't like it either. I don't. Like, I'm the old man screaming out the cloud. I, it's just, it just, it's college football, pop Warner football, high school football. I, I just thought it was, I thought it was one of those neat things. You get to the NFL and they have these professional numbers. I don't know. Uh, it was yeah, like I would have been pissed off if like Javon Kinlaw went back to number three or something. I would have been like, okay, bro, like nah, 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 nah. But one, two, and four. And then Tart wants to go to six. Like, bro, I gotta go in. Then I have to go into Madden. I gotta edit these numbers because I didn't get a PS5 yet. It's just, it's just annoying. <laughs> um, but no, I just, I just don't like to. I just, to me, it just looks, it looks tacky. Like, cool, you want to do drip? I guess I'm 35 now, so I guess I'm getting the old. I got the old. I want. I'm on the. Uh, I'm the old man with the get off my grass type stuff. But I don't like it. Like one, one, four, and two. That just looks really goofy. And then Tart changes number to 26. It's like. What are we doing, guys? Like, come on. Well, I guess Tart, uh, shout out Jason Aponte on this this one. I guess Tart wanted a fresh start. That's kind of the reason why it was one of those more mentality things. Come on. This this is a game about mental. This is a mental game. So the number's not gonna change your play. Even though he's not on the field with the you know, when he's looking at the reads of the quarterbacks and the offense, he's not looking at his same number at the same exact time. Doesn't even notice his number half the time on the field. But let's talk I guess, about. I guess let's talk about another battle here. Yeah, my favorite battle: nose tackle battle. Um, mm-hmm. The one tech is there possibly an open competition for that as well, like the cornerback two spot. Um, because when you look at it, the 49ers are freaking loaded. They are loaded in their interior defensive line. I'm going to go ahead and say some guys who could potential be one tech starters out there, whether they do or they don't, that's a different story, but these are the potential base defense, one tech nose tackle starters, Zach Kerr, 
Javon Kinlaw, DJ Jones, Maurice Hurst, who would have been a first-round pick, by the way, yep. Kevin Givens out of Javi's Penn State. Penn State, maybe we are. Darian Daniels, I don't think he gets it, but you know he, he's in there. It's those are five deep. I'm going to say five deep. The the book is, you know, needs to be written on Darian Daniels. I, I need to see more from him uh, to have a true opinion. Uh, but five deep Kerr, Kinlaw, Hurst, Jones, Givens, th- literally five guys, like Kyle Shanahan said, five guys uh, could start at the the base one tech position. Like who, who do you think rises to, out of this? So at least at least your top three guys that rise. So I spent time last night. Um, anyone looking at my Twitter timeline um, the night before we're recording now. So Sunday night, just watching some Carolina cutups and Zach Kerr just stands out a lot, right? He, I think mm-hmm. he's going to be the starting nose tackle this year. I think he provides just a number of flexibility. He was the highest graded defensive player for the Panthers last year. Right. Wow. Uh, for P- according to PFF, right, he uh, defensive his his defensive grade was eighty four point one. Run defense was seventy seven point eight, and pass pass rush was seventy seven point seven. Four sacks, six QB hits, nine hurries, two batted balls, thirteen tackles, uh, one missed tackle, and I want to say one forced fumble on the according to PFF how they had him graded. I and part of me watching him was me looking at how this defensive line would work because I think he gives you a little bit more positional versatility as opposed to a DJ Jones, as opposed to a Kevin Givens or Maurice Hurst. I think he allows you to utilize him in a way where you, if you're going to use the wide nine, right? The middle of the, mm-hmm. the middle of the defenses, defensive line is a little bit more spread out, right? So there's a couple, there's a lot, there's a lot more than a couple, but there is a lot of film of him outside shade of the guard on either side and the pass rusher, who is a wider outside, like Brian Burns, would get a one-on-one matchup with the left or right tackle. And Brian Burns would win that matchup while Kerr is getting doubled or Kerr is beating his single man and the edge rusher is seeing two. So you're getting so much attention. And the Niners are a lot deeper than the Carolina Panthers are, right, at the on the defensive mm-hmm. line. So my the way I imagined it, just kind of looking it over, you know, you got Bosa at the nine, you got Kerr at the seven, Kinlaw at the three, and then Armstead at the big end at the one. That's your defensive start. That's your base defensive line. You may not even have to blitz anyone. You probably don't have to send that extra pressure because all four of these guys can win double teams. All four of these guys can win their single man matchups. I think Kerr gives you so much positional versatility and he also might allow you to where, hey, look, let's put Kerr and DJ Jones inside, have Kinlaw take Armstead's spot, move Armstead on the other side of Bosa, and now you have this really unique run defensive line, right? If you know it's a short yard situation where they need to run the ball, that could be your group, Armstead, Kerr, DJ Jones, and Kinlaw. There's a lot of versatility here on this defense. I was getting very imaginative Last night I was up late. It was like three in the morning. I'm watching tape, but it's just, it just, it blew my mind on how smart. The, well, not I shouldn't say blew my mind, but the Niners and their positionless football 
is starting to show up more on the defensive side too because you have a guy like Zach Kerr who gives you the nose tackle, one the one technique, the three, and potentially a five tech as well on this defensive line. So to me, it just gives them a lot more positional versatility. If I had to choose the three, I'm going Kerr, DJ Jones, and Mo Hurst. I love Kevin Givens. I really, really do. But I think there would be I think you can probably sneak him on the practice squad. So I think those would be your three. Kinlaw's obviously going to be here. He's a first round pick. There's no need to discuss that guy as far as his roster making. But I think Kerr wins this nose tackle job. I think he gives you much more than DJ Jones does. DJ Jones is your pure nose tackle, right? If you want him on third down, you want him over your center like he did. Like he owned a whole bunch of centers in 2019 mm-hmm. against the Saints, against the Seahawks. If you want him there on third down, perfect. That's the kind of guy you want. But I think Kerr ultimately wins the job and wins that interior three tech nose tackle um, role in the 2021 season. Sorry, again, I go I go long on my bad. <laughs> nah, 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 nah. That's beautiful. So DJ Jones actually had 11 more pass rushing snaps than Zach Kerr. DJ Jones had 13 total pressures in those 11 more snaps, 235 yeah. total. Zach Kerr had 19. So he had six more total pressures than DJ Jones in 11 less snaps. Like Zach Kerr's I'm not crazy. ball. I'm not going crazy. <laughs> like Zach Kerr's uh, the baller we're not, we're not talking about. Mm-hmm. He played outstanding last year on the on a Panthers team that was not winning games, not really known for for their defense at least to the caliber the 49ers defense was known for. Um, he had a really really great season last year, and even Maurice Hurst is kind of like right there with with DJ Jones in terms of pressures. DJ Jones, like once again, had 235 pressure or total pass rushing snaps. Maurice Hurst had 149. So we're about, what, 80, 85, 80 to 85 off? I'm not going to do that math in my head. DJ Jones, once again, had 11 or 13 pressures. Maurice Hurst had 11. So Hurst was, if you round up to, what, 85 total defensive pass rushing snaps, 85 less, but only two less pressures. This this is a real competition here because yeah. you don't have just one guy involved. You have three guys involved. I think Ken Law is going to start at the three tech because you're going to have have Armstead on on the wide in base defenses. But base one tech is it's a three man race, and and I think it's going to be Kerr one, and I think it's going to be Hurst two, and probably DJ Jones three on that mix, mainly because Kerr Kerr flat Kerr. He's a big dude. He's bigger than DJ Jones. And that's kind of what you want if you have a guy in, in a wide nine scheme. He's got 30 Does, pounds on DJ. Like he's 335. Yeah. And the reason why that's so important is because you're playing a wide nine defense. And if you have your nose tackle just getting swallowed up, not saying DJ Jones gets swallowed up on this defense, but doesn't. Um, when you have just that weight and the height advantage of Zach Kerr, it makes the offensive line job so much harder uh, to to navigate through this defense. And uh, since you mentioned PFF grades, Maurice Hurst was a seventy eight point five, which they have as a 
good pass rushing grade. It, it's got the green dot on there, if some of you are familiar. Um, so this is a really, really good battle here between the three. It, it's going to be tough to get all those snaps between the three, but I think there's an opportunity there for it to happen because DJ Jones had, once again, 235 pass rushing snaps on the 49ers last year. Kevin Givens had 229 pass rushing snaps last year and Javon Kinlaw had 341 pass rushing snaps so there's an opportunity there for those pass rushing snaps to still be available to work and occur a DJ Jones a Maurice Hurst and especially if they're winning more this season than they were last year that means there's there's going to be a higher uh, pass rushing snaps available opposed to say the teams running the ball to to roll out the clock in the fourth quarter um but once again, my favorite to win that job is based off what he did last year. And it's not one of those things where he was a one-year wonder. He had pretty good seasons before. And mm-hmm. I think Kerr's just one of those guys. You put him in a good location, and he's in, he's going to ball out. He And he's going to have that help that he had in Carolina. Like you said, he had a Brian Burns out there. Well, he's got a Nick Bosa out here. He's got yep. an Eric Armstead out here who's really yep. good at you know, defending the run. And then he's got a running mate like a Javon Kinlaw who's going to be in there with him. So yep, I think that's that gonna that's going to help out. Yes. Oh my <laughs> God! Just to make, come on, Kerr's three thirty four. Kinlaw is over three hundred himself, about three ten, and and, poof, and these guys are athletic. Like Kerr's a big man. Like that's something DJ Jones gets a lot of hype around is like being athletic. Well, so is Zach Kerr. Zach Kerr barely. His speed is a 5.08, and DJ Jones was a 5.04. So they're right around the same athleticism scale, but Kerr's just a bigger dude. Yeah. <laughs> He's just a bigger dude. So I, I'm going Kerr, probably one. Maurice Hurst, probably two, and then DJ Jones, three. But I think at the end of the day, all these guys are going to get their snaps, uh, you know, somewhere around maybe, maybe – you know, Kerr gets over 200 pass rushing snaps. Hurst gets over 200 passing snaps and probably DJ Jones gets around that 160 mark or so, but which is, which is quite a bit. If you're the number three guy in a one tech 160, you take that all day. Yeah. I, the Niners are going to, you know, I hate this term, but the Niners are going to money ball this nose tackle position, this one tech three tech. They're going to know they're going to money ball this whole thing here. To just get, you know, they're going to optimize, like we talked about with the running backs, right? You want to RB, what is that? RBBC, running back by committee. So, what yeah, is this? NTBC. Tackle. Yeah, nose tackle by committee or defensive tackle by committee. It just makes a whole bunch of sense. You know, long gone are the days of DeForest Buckner having to take 1,077 snaps, right? You want to have a rotation. If people remember the, uh, 2017 Philadelphia Eagles. They had a rotation of eight or nine guys. It was a big part of why they won the Super Bowl. The Niners in 2019, they had a rotation of eight or nine guys. Part of why they went to the Super Bowl. The Niners, you know, let me actually, the Niners are, you know, they have, they've, they've, they've created this healthy depth and healthy rotation. I'm going to ask you a question. Do you think the Niners are prioritizing an interior defensive line pass rush as opposed to exterior defensive line pass rush? So, do you think they're valuing their defensive tackles more than they're they're valuing their defensive ends? Because I think you and I both agree that the Niners are very thin at their edge position. Do you think they expect more pass rush interior-wise as opposed to the edge? I'm going to say they're more financially involved on the edge. 
So if you're more financially involved on the edge, you're prioritizing that. And Eric Armstead, edge guy, D Ford, you know, he's still here. Jordan Willis is one of their money ball pickups there. And I think he's a lot better than suspended what... for six games though. <sighs> That's true. But they also went in and paid, uh, <clears throat> and paid Samson Ebicon. Mm-hmm. I, I count I count him as an edge rusher. I think that's what his his role is going to be on this team. Nick Bosa out there. So uh, there is, if you have a healthy D Ford, so I'm going to say you know it, it, just magic world, um, blue skies, sun out. You know in, in this fantasy world, D Ford's healthy. So if you have a D Ford, Eric Armstead, Nick Bosa, Samson Ebucon, and then Jordan Willis post suspension, there's five guys I feel comfortable with on the field. Oh, and then Arden Key. Arden Key, I think he's a solid sleeper as a six piece. Okay. So I think I think they're pretty deep as well. Um with that going because we're talking about the interior. They have five guys. Well, Armstead's kind of mixed. Armstead could you could count him as an interior or count him as an edge. Um so I guess we could say five each. There's five they're they're deep five each on the interior and edge. The five I'm saying on the edge is D Ford one, uh, Bosa two, Ebucon three, and Willis four, and then I guess Arm. Well, yeah, they're. I- I'm trying to paint the picture different because I know <laughs> what the answer is. The depth is bigger on the interior, but I'm still comfortable with what they have on the edge. I'm gonna push back. I'm not comfortable with what they have on the edge. So Arden Key as like a fifth rotation guy on the edge no of course i mean of course you want a rotation right like are we expecting arden key to give you seven eight nine sacks or are we going to expect to get three sacks out of him you know is this like a Dion jordan type situation if he's your number f- five guy then i i think yeah you should be comfortable with three sacks i think yeah. three sacks would be huge but if he's your number three guy and he's only getting three sacks then that's where you get sour I don't okay. think we can expect Arden Key as a, as a number three guy um, on the edge. Yeah. See, that's where it gets so tricky to have this debate because, like, where do you place Armstead? Because uh, obviously Nick Bosa could get 10. I think Ebucon could get six. Uh, D Ford, if he does play this season, I think he could get six. Uh, Willis, I think he has five. I think he's capable to get five in a season. Okay. What did he have last year? Three? Yeah, he had three in limited snaps, which is which is fine. But I, I guess, I guess my question, I think, based on what I'm, but based on how the Niners have operated, I feel that they have put a a value, a very high value on interior pass rush. Yeah, or just I, well, interior I, pressure. Based on you bring DJ back, you get Zach Kerr, you bring in Mo Hurst, you are really high on Kevin Givens from what they tell us. Right, you can line up Armstead inside the way he did with Arm with Buckner in 2019 next to Kinlaw. I really think they're expecting this interior defensive line to be the strength of this team overall. And one, I I hope I hope Nick Bosa comes back and gives us 20 sacks. Right, like I that's oh my I hope. god that that's like that's, that's TJ Watt of the year. Yeah, exactly. But are we sure? He's going to get 75, 80% of the snaps early on in the season, or they have to ramp him up, right? So that's going to be part of it. I think you got two guys come back from injury D Ford, Nick Bosa. That's a big question mark. Samson Ebukam has never been, you know, a premier pass rusher. He's admitted as such. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, Jordan Willis, fifth round pick out of Kansas State. I think it was a fifth round pick out of Kansas State. Came third. over, played third round pick. He came over. I liked him in that draft. I thought the Niners should have grabbed him a few years back. Anyone go check my Facebook, you'll see it. It's there. I promise <laughs> you. I really liked the kid because I grew. I watched a lot of Big Twelve football. My eyes burned every time I watched it. But it is what it is. Um, I thought Jordan Willis would be a nice piece, but he he doesn't bend very well. So I I just. I guess to me, I, I really think they've invested so much on the interior defensive line that they're expecting so much more out of it. Um, would I like for them to go get a find another pass rusher? Absolutely. But who's out there? I think the only guy Justin that comes Houston. to mind. Well, there's two guys come to mind. Justin Houston, who's a free agent. The second guy, shout out to my guy, J- Jordan, our guy, Jordan Elliott. Him and I were talking last night about Jacob Martin, Texans outside linebacker slash defensive end going to be an undrafted free agent at the end of the 2021 season so it'll be a free agent in 2022 is that a guy that Niners could be interested in to acquire I just you know I like to scout other teams like you do and that was a guy who stood out to both myself and Jordan and we were just talking like hey maybe that's a guy that they can get for conditional sixth or seventh who can come in and be this extra rotational piece for this edge and I, I just think he provides some other stuff there but I really think the way the Niners have operated this offseason that they value their interior defensive line more than their edges this year. And I think they're doing that. They're doing it on purpose because of because of the injuries on the other with with their two big names, Bosa and Ford. Well, I I think it is on purpose because something that I know is that the, this defense is they don't want you to read and react. They just want you to go, you know, go. They just want you to go, yeah. gas on the pedal and go. That's something that this defense is tied I think Samson Ebicon credited that to why he think he will have a better, you know, tenure with the 49ers numbers wise than he did with the Rams. With with this defense interior defensive line, if you could just push that pocket, get the quarterback to go back, now you're able to have this these edge rushers just go. If if this this interior defensive line could push the pocket, they're not having to. Ha- worry about bending going too far going going past the ball and essentially taking themselves out of the play you could have these guys and, and that's going to help the curve for Nick Bosa getting back healthy is if he could just go and not have to bend back up the field to sack the quarterback man that's where this interior defensive line could pretty much set the table uh, like baseball they could be your leadoff hitter and then you can have guys like Eric Armstead, Nick Bosa, or Sanson Ebicon, D Ford, be your cleanup guy, is is the one who basically gets the runs home and just shut down this opposing offense. And, and I think it's a smart strategy to kind of go by and keep those big guys, big boys healthy and not having them gassing by the fourth quarter if you have this five-man rotation, which it, it looks like it will be. So I guess I lied. I think interior defensive line is probably the the the, the battle to watch in camp. I think it's going to be <laughs> <laughs> just the you know for pre you know for those who hate preseason games. I think this is a really big year for preseason football. You're going to see a lot of guys getting a lot of opportunities. Um, you know, and and even through all this, we didn't even touch on Kevin Givens that much. And Kevin Givens is the guy that D'Amico Ryan specifically spoke about. Like, he expects big things from him. So maybe he does make this team. I could be 100% wrong. I have no problem being 100% wrong on that. If he makes a team, Mm -hmm. awesome, because he gives you more positional versatility, too. I just think the Niners are deeper in 2021 than they were in 2019. That doesn't mean they're better, because 
healthy D Ford, DeForest Buckford's defensive player of the year type of candidate. Armstead was a different level, and Nick Bosa was rookie of the year. So, mm-hmm. but their depth was lacking. We saw once D Ford went out, the defense kind of took a step back. This year, they're much deeper, and they've you know they've made a concerted effort to not to not lose that speedy edge guy with Ebukam, who has hasn't missed a game, by the way. Knock on wood. Their change of pace edge rusher was like Zach Zettel. Yeah, and uh, 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 Moore, the other guy who was in. Um, and well, he was like for two weeks, yeah. and then he was out for the year. The defensive line may not be better, but uh, it does have more depth because now we're expecting, say, if Eric Armstead's out there, D Ford's out there, the four, the guy off the bench, so the fourth guy in that rotation would be freaking Samson Ebicon over an Anthony Zettel. Come on, our, we don't even need to have that conversation. Yeah, absolutely not. Yeah, there's just there's, I you know I was just going through a couple of these rotations with the defensive line. It, it's it's insane if all these guys can stay healthy. You know, there's there's a scenario where you have Kinlaw, Kerr, DJ Jones, and Armstead on the field at the same time. Like what? Like like what? And then mm-hmm. you know there's another there's there's. There's the one I think I think everyone's looking forward to Bosa, Kinlaw, Armstead, Ebukam. Like I think that's your you know the Nitro Pack as they called it I believe it was in 2019. And if D Ford's healthy, okay, cool. You wanna you wanna go with a four three base? Ebukam's on the field uh, next to D Ford. Like there's there's a lot of creativity that can happen with this defense this year, and I believe D'Amico Ryan's um, is going to do that, which probably leads us into our next topic as we run super long because we are so close to training camp. Might as well get all these thoughts out. (laughs) (laughs) D'Amico Ryan's, uh, let's be honest, he's taking over top five defense. Uh, It's very, very hard shoes to fill from what Robert Sala gave him and contributed out of this defense last year. It was what kept their season afloat was the defense because the quarterback play was just so awful. Kyle couldn't really do much. He could draw something up, but then he'll, you know, Mullins will just overthrow it to, to wide open Kyle use check or, or, you know, whoever basically insert wide receiver here. But with the defense, it, it's what kept them competitive. It's what kept fans hope of a postseason uh, available out there. So, Let's talk about it. D'Amico Ryans, does he maintain this a top five defense? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so Football Outsiders does their DVOA ranking. Mm-hmm. Uh, 2020, the Niners are ranked sixth in DVOA. Twenty twenty, I'm sorry, 2019, they're ranked second in DVOA on defense. So, you know, I, I like to look at DVOA and kind of get a, a an image of what the D, you know teams might look like from year to year. And I think it's probably the most accurate way to look at a defense. If the Niners are second in 2019, sixth in 2020, they're somewhere in the middle of those two, right? You know, so yeah, top five defense can be maintained, barring health. If you have a healthy Nick Bosa, you have a you know an 80 percent D Ford. Obviously, Armstead needs to stay healthy. Jimmy Ward, everyone else needs to stay healthy. There's enough talent on here to hide the deficiencies of a rookie defensive coordinator, which is, I think, part of why the Niners brought back who they brought back. Kwaski Tart, one of the smartest, strong safeties in football. K1 Williams, one of the better nickel corners in football. You bring back Jason Verrett, of course. 
there's enough talent here to help hide the deficiencies of the defense. So D'Amico is not on an island, you know, kind of taking the brunt of, you know, the fan base or the media criticism that he might receive for some calls. Is he is, is D'Amico going to make mistakes? Absolutely. It's growing pains. But I think the talent on this defense allows them to maintain that level of top five play. Now, could they be, you know, six or seven? Cool, we're splitting hairs at that point. I don't think we'll see them outside of the top ten on defense. But top five is definitely in play for this defensive unit. Um, you know, being sixth last year with no Bosa, no Ford, you got a rookie in Kinlaw. You're putting you're rolling out De- Demetrius Flanagan Foles on a lot of reps. You know, Drake Greenlaw took a little bit of a step back last year. Kwaski has a turf toe. You know, the corners were interchanged all season, and they still maintain a top six defense. If this defense can stay healthy on paper, yes, they are a top five unit, regardless of what D'Amico Ryans does. Say their DVO one more time for me. DVOA in 2020 was sixth for defense. One more time. Sixth. Okay. Don't make me say six three times. That's bad. Well, yeah, that's all I was cutting you <laughs> off at, too. Tarvarius Moore. Great prospect. Great prospect. You just want to f- fall in love with the metrics with Tarverius Moore. Damn. But how many blown coverages were they last year, especially in the, the Monday night football against the Buffalo Bills? Especially in that game. And that now... cover four was... Oh, my God. Now, if you have a Kwaski Tart go down, guess who you could put in there? Tony Jefferson, Jefferson. who's healthy. Who's finally freaking healthy? Uh, because he bas- he took he opted out last year to just focus on being healthy for this year, and because of that, he had to take pretty much a backup role. Um, so if Kwaski goes down, you're taking a guy who's been a borderline top ten safety the past what five years before he got injured in 2019. Yeah, and then. If same thing, if Jimmy Ward has to miss a game, Tony Jefferson, he's interchangeable, J- just like Kwaski and Ward are between free and strong. Uh, Tony Jefferson, he you could put him in the box, he'll be fine. You could put him at free, he he could get range. Um, so they're gonna have that upgrade, and then you're gonna have the depth at the pass rushing upgrade. Look at their interior line, as we were talking about. They didn't have a Maurice Hurst last year. They didn't have a Zach Kerr last year. Mm-hmm. Hell, they didn't even have a Nick Bosa last year. And then we're also talking about a potential learning curve for Javon Kinlaw, who had a terrible offseason last year, was just pretty much thrown into the fire and Mm -hmm. expected to replace DeForest Buckner's quality of play. Now you're giving him an offseason. He he got a mini camp this year. Can can you believe that? Javon Kinlaw finally got a mini camp this year. And Drake Greenlaw should be better because he's getting a mini camp as well. I think that's important for the growth and the development. They didn't have a Samson Ebicon last year. Instead, they had a Deion Jones last year. So Jordan, Deion Jordan. Deion Jordan. I keep saying, oh my gosh, I there's so many names out there. I screw them all up eventually. And, and then it's, you know, when you're looking at, at the cornerback position, D, DVOA, six. And yet there was a Brian Allen game also involved in that. Like, come on. Yes, yes, yes. As the great Hunter Pence would say, this should 
definitely be a top five defense, albeit health. Get one snap from D Ford. That's something they well, they got like three snaps from D Ford last year. So get him <laughs> one game to where he didn't exit early. That's more than what they had D Ford last year. I I yes, this is definitely a top five defense. There's gonna be times where from everything we hear, it, it sounds like D'Amico's gonna want to blitz a little more. So there's going to be times where they get blurned on the blitz. It happens to every DC, happens to Bill Belichick. Sometimes you get burned when you blitz, and I, you know, we're going to come into that with D'Amico Ryan. So he's not going to be 100% on his blitz packages. Yeah. So um, just don't overreact on those. But this is, at the end of the day, it's going to be a top five defense. Hell, they were six last year with the Brian Allen game. With with the Tarverius Moore games, uh, like that Buffalo game, the Dallas Cowboy game, like yes, yes, yes. That's why I really like the It takes into account like there's only so much a defense can control. Like Nick Mullins throwing the ball, throwing the game away against Washington, Philly, Dallas. Like that that counts. That's not again. That's not the defense's fault for these you know quick change scenarios, and then of course being backed up on like your own 35 yard line. Of course, like you're going to allow points, but the Niners defensively, you know, that's why you pay a Fred Warner. Fred Warner had his best year of his career last year on a bad team, right? <laughs> it's just, it he is. Did more. It he did way he more. Did more, you know, and then, you know, you're going to expect him to do more this year. I expect to see a lot more blitzing out of Fred Warner. I, I you know, and that's part of where the three safety looks come in, in my opinion, you can have Tart kind of play that Eric Reed role. If anyone remembers 2017, Eric mm-hmm. Reed is kind of like this star position. Tart could play that. Cool. Now we got Jefferson and Jimmy Ward playing coverage on the back end. You got man to man coverage on the outside. Fred Warner's blitzing. Greenlaw, Jefferson in coverage. You have a whole plethora of, of just options and creative ways to use this, these defensive pieces. Positionless football on the defensive side. The 49ers are, in my opinion, ahead of the curve on a lot of this stuff. So, I, you know, I'm, I was up last night tinkering with just how this lineup could look. It's it's very, very exciting. But, yes, absolutely, top five unit is in the cards here. It, it's funny to me that you brought up that Eric Reed role because he actually blamed the 49ers for his lack of free agency because they switched him to that role. One, well, Tart was better. Tart was better. He deserved to start. And two... You had like the best year of your career in that role. Yeah. Um. So they actually helped you out by yeah. creating you that role, or else you would have been a, a guy on the bench. And who knows if you would ever got that deal to go to Carolina at that point. And he played good in Carolina too. I didn't think he was terrible there. But yeah, no, I, I'm imagining Tart in that type of role, the Jamal Adams type of role. But you also have a Jefferson who can cover tight ends and wide receivers and running backs out of the backfield. Um, and then, of course, Jimmy Ward. You know, Jimmy Ward has been talking a lot this offseason, so he's got to have a, he's, he's going to have a target on his back. But there's just there's a lot of create there's a lot of creative ways to use this defense. Um, but yeah, absolutely, top five is in the cards here. They've created they've created a lot of depth on this defense. They've created a lot of um, creative ways to utilize and deploy a lot of their players. And and I'm excited about, you know, going over R53. I think we're running over an hour here. So we're going to save our fit, top 53 roster protection 
projections, excuse me here. See, look, we're going over an hour and now I can't even talk English. Um, Probably okay we, with it. We appreciate all of you. Javier Vega, uh, let everybody know where they can find you at. Yeah, uh, everyone knows, or if you don't know, uh, follow me on Twitter at Javier Vega underscore. And then, of course, uh, follow the other podcasts at Fourth and Gold Podcast. And then, um, you know, we're here, baby. Season's here. It's time to get to work. It's going to be a very fun 2021 season. I'm looking forward to all 11 of these wins that the Niners are going to get. Get excited. Let's get that uh, COVID season monkey off our back, turn over a new leaf here. You could go ahead and follow me at LeoLuna93 on Twitter, Instagram, wherever you do social media, uh, as well as go ahead and follow 49ers Goldmine as we're looking to ramp up all of the Bay Area sports with the NBA draft coming up. San Francisco Giants having a fantastic season. And of course, Niners Nation. Peace.